Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with you guys. It has been a week. It has been a week. That's what I'm going to say. This episode is about when the flowing gets tough. And (laughs) this last week was certainly not the easiest week I've ever emotionally experienced. And so now that I'm kind of coming out the other side of it and have pretty much integrated the lessons and the experiences for the most part, I'm sure there's more to come in terms of flow. But going through this little choppy water, so to speak, I finally feel ready to kind of come back to the show and do a little flow diaries for you guys. I know that you enjoy the Flow Diary style episodes. These are solo episodes where I just share some of the synchronicities and flows in my life. But I also know that many people on Instagram, especially at Bella Lively World, will message me from time to time saying, well, I'm trying to flow, but this really difficult thing is happening in my life right now, and I'm not sure what to do with it. How do I flow when things are tough? And so I have two experiences I haven't shared yet on the show that have been happening in my own life. One is a few months ago at this point. And the other one is this last week. So I thought I would share both of those in case this is inspiring or helpful or relatable for anyone else that is trying to figure out how they live as a human on earth in duality in the flow when things seem to be going the opposite direction than what seems smooth sailing. So the first one I want to share is about what happened when if you guys remember the Beauty of Life series, you may remember Danielle and Jennifer. Jennifer just had her solo weekend away as a mama on her own own and she loved it. I love the message that she sent us on the team to thank us for it. And also my favorite thing that she said in the message was that doing it and having those two nights away for herself to be by herself at a fancy place that was, you know, within driving distance of her own house and where she lives made it feel more possible that she might do something like that in the future. And I just think that is so incredibly heartwarming to me to hear is the idea that that potential seems more available to do and repeat in the future, that we're normalizing what might have seemed out of this world in the past. So that's really exciting. And I'm so happy and thrilled for Jennifer. And then as far as Danielle, as you guys might have seen, if you haven't, go over to my Instagram. It's in one of my highlights, but I actually, it's a reel too. So if you want to see how cute Danielle's apartment looks with all my furniture and possessions from uh, the mostly the Australia period of my travel years, and then also some of my pieces from Detroit as well, honestly looks cuter in Danielle's place than it ever looked in my two places. And I also love seeing how she mix and re-coordinated the items that I had curated for different aspects of my own home and seeing her put her own energy and spin on it. It's even cuter. So I truly feel one day I'm going to do an episode on past lives. Haven't felt the urge to flow into that one yet for you guys, but it's probably going to be a pretty epic episode when I get into it. And what I didn't anticipate was the epic alignment of past lives and Danielle and I actually sharing one, which never, ever, ever, ever occurred to me in a million years until the transition of my possessions from New York with the movers into Vancouver, into her apartment. One of the details I thought I would share is that that move did not go smoothly. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely didn't go what I would say, or Danielle would probably say smoothly. And I'll get into more of the details about the various aspects of that as it relates to our shared past life together in that other episode. But one of the details that I thought would be great for when the flowing gets tough, and one of the things that was definitely 
on the surface, one of the most difficult things to swallow out of the entire move. There were some things broken. There were they said that I had insurance and they said I didn't have insurance. So replacing some of the stuff, they lost one of my sofas that Danielle was anticipating. Although on that flow, let me say they lost a sofa. But when I saw the sofa that she actually purchased for her flat instead in her little video tour, I have to say the sofa she picked is 10 times cuter and better for the space than the one she would have received from me. So even though she had to buy that on her own, I have to say like it looks even better than the gray sofa would have in this space. So that was kind of in a sense a flow in a way, but that's not the piece I'm speaking about. One of the things, if you followed me on Instagram years ago, you may have seen in my Australia years. So 2018, I'm speaking about. I bought this giant Antoinette Ferwerda painting in Australia. Antoinette Ferwerda is a beautiful, incredibly talented artist in Australia. I love her work so, so much. If you haven't seen her work, um, or if you haven't seen my Instagram with the painting, I used to take photos of it. It was above my sofa in Australia and then was behind my dining table when I brought it to Detroit in the penthouse there. So I have to say, this painting is huge. It literally was the length of a sofa and taller than a sofa. So it's like the size of like a wall, practically, or half a wall. It was probably two meters or actually, no, I remember the box that it came in 85 inches by 84 inches. So quite a large painting. And this painting was one of the things that actually was the only thing Danielle did not like aligned to. She didn't feel like it was the right painting for her. And I was like, well, great, because I was on the fence about what to do with that painting, full stop, because that painting had a lot of previous significance to me at the time that I got it. So when I purchased it, I was admiring Antoinette's work. And that specific piece that I owned was specifically my color palette, my my ethos, my vibe, you could say. It really almost felt like a self-portrait of me as a soul. <laughs> it's really, really special. And especially for that moment in my life when I was trying to go beyond the mind, having that painting as a representation of non-physical aspects of the the non-physical aspects of ourselves, it is eternal, um, even though it's depicted in color, it's kind of shapeless and it's kind of like um, kind of how I like to envision if I have to take a translation of non-physical entities into physical, you know, approximation or metaphor, those little shapes remind me of the aspects of ourselves that don't have bodies or space or time to deal with. So anyways, this painting was very special, but it was also very expensive. And at that time, I remember feeling kind of uncomfortable in in many facets of my life. I was traveling for many years by that point. I, you know, had been obviously my entire life planning to get married by 27 and have kids by 30 and have my little white picket fence and my two dogs, which I did all of that, just not the kids, and then let it all go as my intuition encouraged me to in 2016. So that there I was two years later in a lot of abundance and flow, but also not really getting any of those shiny pennies, you could say, or the aspects of the human experience that my my mind definitely and personality definitely wanted. But I did have all this flow and I was there in Australia waiting for my visa that (laughs) hint, hint, never worked out. But I was so optimistic and innocently optimistic, naive, at I would even say, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get a visa here. I had no clue what visa processes looked like in different parts of the world. I thought because my tourist visa as an American was so effective and useful in so many parts of the world. I thought that like living places would be as easy as traveling to them. 
It's not. (laughs) And I learned that lesson in this 2018 experience. But I had actually got my apartment and started renting it before the visa was granted. And therefore, with all full trust and full thinking, I'm going to get this. It's going to work out. Let me get my furniture and apartment sorted and settled as the visa gets approved. I started collecting everything. I moved in there with a suitcase and then got the mattress and then got, you know, the tables and the furniture and everything. And then eventually this painting. The painting was a big investment. And at that time was certainly outrageous beyond what I'd ever imagined before. Kind of like Jennifer in her overnight weekend. She had never really thought she could have a weekend like that. She wanted to have one like that, but it didn't really seem realistic for her before she did it. And now she feels more realistic to it. And that's one of those like... inner glass ceilings or limiting beliefs I had was this giant painting, just obviously kind of a feminine color palette that was definitely my heart's content. I was just like, I don't know, this this seems like, you know, I'm not getting this for a partner. My partner that I future might have might not even like it, but I love it. And I'm living right now in this space. And I just kind of honored myself. It was actually ironically at the time that Meghan Markle was engaged or just getting engaged to Harry. So super exciting time. And one of the things I loved about Meghan Markle getting engaged to Harry was that she was a few years older than I am. And so she was living her best life and she was single and then she married the prince. Like, this is pretty cool. And that, that I don't know how to explain exactly why, but somehow seeing someone who was single in that period of life, even a few years older than me, I think, um, living in this outrageous positive new direction kind of I don't know I was like she would have got the paint in my head I made the story that like Meghan Markle could have got the painting before she got engaged and then she you know she ended up having an incredible life obviously it's been a more difficult life as we've seen in years following that engagement but at that time this painting was this representation of me choosing myself and living fully and not uh, just because the the people that I might have been friends with or known around me in my social circles might not have been in the same experience of life that I was in or have the ability to buy that painting on a whim. I did. I just had to allow myself to do it. So I bought it. Now, obviously, fast forward, I enjoy it for many years. It's been in storage for many years until Danielle. And Danielle doesn't align to it. So I'm like, do I keep this painting? Obviously, it's the one thing of all the possessions in that container that's been stored for so many years. I assumed, by the way, if you're curious, to own and use that furniture from Australia and Detroit in my future life. That's why I've been you know, carefully hauling it around the world, uh, paying for storage for it endlessly over, I think, two, two and a half, maybe three years. I forget how many years exactly it was sitting there in a New York storage container, including this painting. And then as I changed my name from Jess to Bella and I gave away all my possessions that were in Portugal, I actually decided, well, all these possessions were Jess, you know, frequency possessions. So this was actually in a subtle way, definitely something I hoped would happen through the beauty of life. I hope that I would be able to find someone to gift that to, completely manifested it, which sounds great and amazing that we didn't know Danielle was going to move. We didn't know that she'd like my stuff. We didn't know all of that. We hoped that someone that we worked with might have that need, but we didn't know if that would actually happen. And we didn't you know, specifically ask her. It was truly a surprise as she was moving. And she said she had no furniture that I totally slip that in. But also when I get to that past life story in the future episode, you're going to, your mind's going to be blown because (laughs) there's so much more significance to not just, oh, I want to give this stuff to somebody that would like it and doesn't have any furniture. It's not even just that. It's that she actually is coming back from a past life to connect to me in a way, part of the beautiful 
um, beauty of life conclusion to that storyline we've shared is giving her possessions. And I'll share more about that. It's beautiful. It's so, so, so sweet. Um, when I get to that later. But anyways, this painting, I was like, this is the thing of all the things that still has the most energetic connection to me. It was the thing that was most significant of all those possessions for all the reasons I just shared about what it meant to choose myself and to invest in myself and to not worry about whether a future partner might or might not like it, but to live and and choose for me because I wanted it and because I could do so. And there was nothing stopping me except for myself. And so she didn't love it. And I was like, well, maybe I'll send it to London and I'll keep that as the piece of all the pieces that I continue to have in my own life. So we decided to keep it in New York where the container was and then have the rest of the furniture and possessions sent off to Vancouver in a delivery truck to Danielle's apartment. So I talk with the delivery guys about this. We decide that it needs to be crated and stored in New York. So they start, you know, adjusting the prices for that. And then they do the delivery. When Danielle gets the delivery, she gets the painting in the container. They, they bring the painting into her house. It's still in a box at this point outside of the crate, but it's boxed and sitting in her very tiny little apartment, this giant, giant painting that she didn't even want in the first place. So, of course, shipping it from the east coast of North America to the very west coast of North America was not a cheap endeavor. And this painting was going to cost me sixteen, no, $1,900 to get it from New York. Shipping ain't cheap anymore, especially lately. Uh, so the, to get just the painting, the quote I got from New York to London was going to be $1,900, I think $1,950. And obviously expensive, but in relation to the price of the painting and how long I've been storing the painting, I was kind of like, well, you know, this this seems expensive, but kind of worth it in the end that I'll get this beautiful painting back in my life. But when it got to Vancouver, I was so outraged. They didn't even realize that they had done it. This moving company is going to play a key role in the past life story that you're going to hear about in the next uh, episode where I discuss this in more detail. But they messed up, like I said, a lot of things. And they didn't even realize that we had they'd already charged me to store it in New York and keep it there. But obviously, wires got crossed, I think is like an American phrase for that. They they didn't communicate well to the team. So the team just delivered the painting to Vancouver with everything else. And I was so upset <laughs> that that happened because obviously that was a totally different level of cost and just distance and unnecessary hassle instead of having it where we plan to have it to have to send it from the west coast of North America. So I end up getting a quote from another delivery company for what it's going to cost. And I think it was something like six or eight thousand US dollars. So versus two thousand dollars is going to be six to eight thousand based on that, which, which is like more than the cost of the actual delivery to Danielle's house because it's going to have to be air crated rather than delivery trucked and for various factors. So obviously I was very dismayed at this. And this is where a flow feels pretty tough. Hey, I wanted to get the painting to stay in New York and go to London once I had an apartment. And here it is in Vancouver. Doesn't seem like a flow, does it? It really didn't. <laughs> and so I, I think I did one little Instagram post saying, does anybody, is anybody interested? And no one was immediately interested. But after this all had happened, I believe I had mentioned it on an episode 
of The Beauty of Life with Danielle. And anyways, weeks later, I'm just kind of sitting with not knowing what to do about it. So I'm kind of surrendering to the flow at that time. I did get the quote, but obviously I wasn't ready to go throw six to $8,000 at it immediately. So I was kind of sitting with it. And as I was sitting with it for, I don't even remember the exact number of days, but as it was you know, in a limbo of the flow feels pretty tough right now, <laughs> pretty tough, I get a message on Instagram and it's from someone that asks, hey, is the painting still around? Do you still have it? And I said, yes. In fact, it actually got carted off to Vancouver instead of New York. Where do you live? And the reply I get, literally, jaw on the floor, Vancouver Island. She lives in Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island's about 30, I think, 30, 35 minutes by ferry away from Vancouver. So 30 to 35 minutes away from Danielle, another person was thinking about the painting could have been someone, obviously, Instagram's worldwide. I have people all over the world listening for someone to be thinking about the painting 35 minutes away from where the painting accidentally in the flow got delivered was jaw-dropping, jaw-dropping. I was literally like shocked. And when as the flow unfolded from there, it turns out the beautiful owner of the painting's name is Becca. And she got some money from family the same year that I got the painting. So in 2018, she got some money. She didn't know what she'd ever want to do with it. And I get the painting. And then before I shared that it got sent to uh, Vancouver on the podcast. So she had known that I had forgot I even mentioned it on the podcast. So to me, my understanding when she messaged me about the painting out of the blue is that she knew from like weeks before when it was still in New York, I asked if anybody was interested in purchasing it. And I just thought she remembered that message and assumed that the painting was still in New York, not that it was actually in her hometown (laughs) around the corner from her. But as she's imagining, she's driving home from work every day. She ends up seeing this painting, I find out, for a month in her vision. Every time she goes by a certain spot on her way home from work, she sees the painting in her in her mind's eye. She sees the painting in her mind's eye. She sees the painting in her mind's eye for a month before it got delivered to Vancouver. A month before it got delivered, she couldn't get it out of her head. And she said she had seen it when I had owned it and Instagram over those earlier years, but she hadn't had any like super strong calling to it until she kept seeing it inside of her head as she drove home from work every day. So lo and behold, she ends up purchasing it. She finds a way to get it from Danielle into her own house. And I have some very, very, very happy looking Becca photos sitting with her in front of the painting, laying on her bed just so happy. So it was an amazing flow. So when the flow got tough, obviously, that delivery mistake ended up being a custom delivery, so to speak, to the place it was intended to go. So that could have been someone anywhere else in the world or even in North America or even in the US. It could have been someone in Savannah or Michigan or Chicago, Florida, Massachusetts, California. It could have been someone anywhere, but it happened to be someone in Vancouver Island. So As you can see from that, it was a lot of initial shock, horror, distress (laughs) from me, but not an immediate action. And just kind of, I remember, by the way, let me also state that I decided backing up, I think when I decided to keep it or was trying to decide whether to keep the painting in New York and send it to London or not, or even when it was mixed up and delivered, I forget at some point in a pivotal point before Becca ever entered the picture, I set a very clear intention in myself. It was a clear intention that this painting would feel like a gift to me 
So whether I sold it or whether I kept it, I wanted it to feel like a gift to me. And interestingly, by the time it actually gets sent over to Vancouver, it certainly didn't feel like a gift to me. The amount of storage and the actual cost of the delivery from uh, Vancouver to London itself was outrageous. And that getting it over to London, I probably would have had all the energy of all of that tied into the painting and the frustration with the moving company on many levels, including that one. That would not have felt like a gift to look at on the wall every day. It would have been a reminder of something that used to be so beautiful in my life, turning so sour, so to speak. So the idea, though, the intention was that it felt like a gift to me. It totally feels like a gift to me that Becca ended up purchasing it and owning it and ultimately the fact that she loves it so dearly as much as I do. It has so much sentimental value to her now because she had to trust her intuition as it said to get it, especially at a pivotal time in her life where she's going through a lot of life transitions herself. There was a lot of mind resistance to initially even following her inner voice on it. But then as she did so, the amount of joy she feels because she took that leap of faith to follow her inner voice instead of her mind has given her the deepest reward. It's not just the painting. It's the fact that she actually followed her inner voice doing something that her mind might have thought was quote unquote crazy, but actually is so working out for her in such a beautiful way. It's a it's a really beautiful experience. And I just love that I share that with Becca. And it does feel like that entire story is a huge gift to me. Okay, so now let's get on to number two as the flowing gets tough. This is over the last two weeks. So as you may have seen, if you follow me yet again on Instagram at Bella Lively World, I have been staying for the last, since February actually, after Australia, I came to London and I stayed in a beautiful flat that I stayed in for three weeks in October last year. Originally, I found the flat on Airbnb, but we actually had mutual friends in common. So I ended up getting to know the owner a little bit better after that initial stay for those three weeks. And Funny enough, at the point in October, uh, I was planning on going to Australia last year and get a visa there and see if it worked out this time around after all the other times didn't work. And she says, as we have lunch together, because we ended up grabbing lunch after we realized we had mutual friends in common, she goes, I have a feeling I want to I want to rent my flat to you. And I was like, oh, no, sorry, I'm leaving. I'm going away. I'm going to go down to Australia. I'm going to get a visa there. But if, if for some reason that doesn't work out, I'll let you know. So as the visa doesn't work out in Australia, I decided to come back to London. And honestly, to be fair, I had more alignment feelings in London than I did in Australia while I was there. I do still love Australia, but I think it's more of a place that I'm happy to visit, at least at this stage of my life, rather than primarily live in. So reversing, and I did love my summer last year in London so much that I was like, yeah, I would rather spend the bulk of my time in the world in London rather than Australia. That's actually more aligned for me anyways. So as I come back in February, I speak to the owner and I say, hey, is the flat, you know, you always said you wanted to rent it to me. Is this something that we can do? And so I end up getting it in February. I go there on February 4th or 5th. I land and my intuition says to pick until August 1st. So August 1st, I get that in, I don't know, January is when I hear that actually from my inner voice, August 1st. So I rent the flat with her till August 1st. And we go with that. And the time moves on. I stay in the flat. And as I was there over time, one thing that happened was the flow got a little bit strange. When I say flow, I'm talking literally about the water flow in the flat. And if you guys want to stay here, by the way, it's on Airbnb. You can find it over in the Chelsea Earls Court area of London. And it's quite stunning. It's been an architectural digest. It's all over 
Instagram. So you could, it's a very beautiful, beautiful flat. The owner did an amazing job designing it. And it's truly just beautiful in every possible way to look at. So, but one of the things that didn't feel so great was the flow of the water while I was there. One of the first things that happened was the shower and the the drain to the shower got clogged, which they think was maybe based on the renovation project, not like just my clogging hair or something like that. Uh, but they eventually we sort out the drain, but that was kind of the first little water flow situ. Then I went away with a friend overnight with my friend Didi to um, the countryside. And when I got back, for suddenly the hot water in the shower stopped working. It was just cold only. So that was two weeks of having cold water until we eventually got someone in to assess the problem. And that was about two weeks later. So I was going through cold showers, trying to remind myself, this is a really hot trend. People love this. I have so many guy friends that love cold showers. I was trying to make the most out of this very cold shower situation, even though I'm not a cold shower person. (laughs) Um, I was getting through that for two weeks. And then eventually I got a plumber in, they figured out there was a mixer issue, which is the thing that goes between hot and cold and does the adjustment of temperature. So the thing that mixes your hot water and your cold water into the same, you know, coming out of your shower head, that's what was broken in the shower. And so they had to get a new part. And in the meantime of that part and the delay of that, the plumber was able to do a little fix, which was kind of sneaky. He was able to switch it from only cold water coming through the pipe to only hot water coming through the pipe. And then we used the water boiler to set it to what we thought would be the perfect temperature or as close to perfect temperature on the dial as possible for me to just have only one temperature in the water. And unfortunately, that temperature we picked is probably about four or five degrees hotter than I'd actually feel comfortable in. So like in the beginning, it was comfortable, but over time I would kind of, I wouldn't say I'd burn myself or anything. It wasn't that, that hot, but it was not comfortable either. And that was waiting for the other piece to arrive because these are fancy faucets that come from Europe. And apparently they were gonna take three weeks to be delivered. I don't know why they just had all these long delays, but we waited for or five weeks. So at this point, I've gone six weeks without having a comfortable shower. Two weeks cold, four weeks hot. I am trying to be a peach during this entire thing, trying to go in the flow, trying to be as non, I'm so non-confrontational, like non, I'm such a Libra, like not wanting to like speak up. I'm just thinking, I'm gonna Abraham this. I'm just gonna be super in alignment and just not complain and just focus on the positives. And eventually though, after about a month, and I was supposed to get this after three weeks and I waited for that extra week and I just kept waiting every day for the plumbers to say, hey, the part arrived, we're coming in to fix it. They never did after a week longer than what they were estimating. So eventually I reach out to the plumber and I say, hey, has the piece arrived a week later? And he goes, no, and I'm going on holiday for four weeks in two days. And at that point, all of the Libra, all of the non-confrontational, all of the Abraham flow in me just is just burnt out. I just, after six weeks thinking, this is the flow that I get from trying to be in alignment. So I I just literally just kind of can't hold it together and trying to be positive anymore after that, hearing that it's going to be theoretically another four weeks of bad water. And especially for the price that I'm paying for the flat, it's just like, no, this doesn't feel aligning anymore. So I call the owner and I don't even know exactly what I was hoping to receive from the whole experience, but except for a solution. I was like, let's find another plumber or something else, another mixer. Why do we have to wait for this one from the from the company? We just need to find another solution. And as we talk about it, what she ends up offering me is something I did not expect at all, which was 
Oh, let me let me make a little caveat to this. So this is, you know, at the end of July, as you might assume, based on the timeframes. And I had previously decided for my intuition on August 1st. But then as weeks were coming into mid-July, I still didn't I'm still waiting on my London visa or the British UK visa verdict before I can do anything further. So I'm not going to get a flat this time. Like in Australia, I'm going to wait till I have the approval. Also, I need to have the approval officially before getting on a proper lease anyways. But uh, for the UK, it demands it. Australia doesn't, but you do need that in in the UK. So anyways, I end up deciding with her to stay for the month of August. Now, my intuition tells me very clearly, don't stay for September. So I know not to like just stay there on unendingly for like the next year, let's say. I knew that from my intuition, but I thought, you know, August is fine. I don't have anywhere to be in August. I'll I'll just stay. And then hopefully by that point in August, at some point I'll have the answer from the UK visa office and then I'll be able to move forward with that. So <laughs> that had been my plan mid-July. So I sent off my rent for August. But when we get this like plumbing situation still unsorted, six weeks, and it's maybe going to be all of August also. So it's going to be since mid-June, I haven't had a comfortable shower. I was just like, this is too much. We need a different solution. So she just says, well, if you want, I can give you the money back for the rent for August and you can just leave next week, basically. <sighs> so I was not expecting that to be her reply, but it was the reply that she offered. And as I, you know, weighed the pros and cons of whether I'd want to do that or not, do I want to have more showers like I've been having or do I want to get out? Obviously, this is on the level of water and flow, literally in the flat. It's not flowing. The temperature is either it's like Goldilocks. It's too hot or it's too cold. Truly, it is. Or there's like the shower drain, which was not a big deal at all, but just a funny other element of water flow in the flat. So it's like, okay, I'm going to just backflip, do a total surrender. And even though I loved the flat in every other way and really wanted to stay until September and hopefully slowly and easily transition myself from one flat to hopefully my own flat in September, theoretically, I have no idea if that would actually work out time-wise, but it just felt like it gave me a longer runway and didn't have to be in the suitcase living life like I did for those five years before Portugal. I just didn't want to feel that kind of uprootedness that I had for half a decade. I didn't want to go back to that kind of place. So I was really just loving the cozy, contented. I'd really decorated the flat with all of my accessories that I cultivated from Australia and then into London. So I really felt like it was my own version of the flat at that point in time. Uh, Style-wise, I'd put all the little accessories and knickknacks away that were the owners and put mine as I collected them, um, like I mentioned, out. So I felt like this was my little place in a sense, so to speak, as much as I could have without having anything formalized. And now I'm in a week, or actually I think it was like six days. So this was a Tuesday. And the August 1st, I believe, was a Monday. So I had six days after this offer was offered to me to figure out what to do. So obviously, I assess the flow situation. It's not flowing. And I just give up. I do this surrender. This also happened to me in Detroit years ago at a point in time where I had this one property that I was living in for about four to six months. And then my intuition brought me back to Australia. So I ended up renting out that main property um, to somebody who stayed in it for a year or two. Then I was going to get another property in Detroit. And that one was supposed to be kind of an Airbnb space for revenue for me. And you guys could have stayed in it and stayed in my kind of my own kind of place for you and for other people that wanted to rent it. And then when I wanted to be in one place, I could stay in that flat while I was renting out the other one. 
this had been a, a plan and my intuition kind of flowed me into the right property to do this with. If you guys remember this, for the old longtime listeners, you'll remember what ended up happening was the flooring got messed up as they installed. It was a brand new build. And after a month of them trying to fix, fix, fix with like little meager fixes, it wasn't a real proper solution. I finally, after having all the patients kind of like this, after having all the patients in the world for all that time, and then eventually I was just like, this is not getting solved. Like we just need, like this needs to change. The flooring in Detroit, they finally agreed to replace the flooring in the new apartment altogether, which is a very expensive endeavor, but it was the only way to really make it properly new. And to the the quality and the cost that I was paying for the property, it was the only right solution. They had cut some corners in the beginning in the build, and they paid the, the price of that because it damaged the floors as they installed things in different orders than they typically would. Because of COVID and different reasons, they had different issues with labor. And this occurred. They agreed to doing the change on the flooring of this place after a month of me sitting there and hopping around in different hotels and places to stay, waiting for this to patiently get resolved. I decide I'm going to go to London and you guys figure this out, replace the floors. I'll come back in a month. It's all fine, but let's just get this really properly done well. And they agreed to that. And then the day that I'm flying the next day, I was flying to London in 2019, I would guess that was 2018, 2019. I maybe 19. I think it was 2019. I'm like going to London at 7 a.m. the next day. I'm going to dinner that night at 6 p.m. with a friend and I get a message from my real estate agent saying the the real estate agents have rescinded their agreement to fix the flooring properly. They're just going to give you a $5,000 deduction on the actual signing of the property altogether and that's it. So they totally went back on their own deal with me and I was obviously very upset at that time. And outrageously upset actually because they just went against it and thought I'll just I'll just accept it and I'll just have to deal with that versus their own integrity and so I think I probably very much surprised them by saying nope I'm not going to do the deal if like you're not going to play it with integrity I'm not going to stay and so I walked away from the deal which was definitely the right move but ultimately was a big kind of sense of sacrifice on my emotional side of me personally because that represented a place of space and home that i would have for me to go to so emotionally speaking that place had a lot of meaning in my own life it wasn't just another place and who cares i'll find another one in the area this one had been customized to my taste i had bought special pieces that would make the furniture i had look excellent in it. It was just like, that was the place for me to be. And then when that happened, I let go. And I said, no, I'm not going to do the deal. And I went to London the next day uh, and let go of Detroit altogether. Not only did I not do that deal, it actually, I took it as a sign that this is a sign for me to actually let go of Detroit altogether after whatever number of years, a year or two of having the other property in Detroit, thinking my life was going to be in Detroit at that point. I just took the flow and I just said, okay, I'll let go. So I let go not only of that property, but I also decided at that point that I would eventually sell the other one and I wouldn't make Detroit my base or place to be when I wanted to stop traveling. Now, looking back on that, that was a huge blessing. Um, at that time, I didn't see it as one, but the more time I've come back to Detroit in years since then, I really do still have so much fondness for the city, but I also know that because I have zero family in D Michigan anymore, none of my family lives there. I just liked <laughs> downtown Detroit and I really believe in it. And I think it has so much character and I love all the food restaurants and stuff, but the things that I also like to do, like going on copious 20 to 30,000 step a day walks and the amount of like 
design and shopping. There's just not that much besides restaurants in the downtown and especially for walking that amount of steps. It's just going to be a lot of laps. My friend Jess in Detroit, who you guys might have heard on the show in many episodes ago at this point, but she and I talk all the time daily for many hours and she always complains about it too. That's one of the tricky things about Detroit is that walkability. It is a walkable city, but at the same time, it's not like there's a lot of areas that you actually want to walk around. So in London is a much more walkable city for me, Australia as well. Um, So I actually think that I ultimately, weather-wise, nature-wise, walking-wise, culturally-wise, yeah, just better off not being in Detroit after all. So that flow of the flooring was actually one of those, when the flowing gets tough, I do the grand surrender. And I remember that moment and the freedom I felt when I finally just let go after all of this trying and all of this like patience and all of this settling for what they were offering me, I just let go of it all. And there was a huge pivot point of liberation in doing that. And I've I've always remembered the sense of power and relief and ease and excitement that I felt that day when that happened after I decided to let go instead of playing their game and just always letting them call the shots. Um, Funny enough, as I got on that flight to London the next day at 7 a.m., I got a message from the real estate agent because they um, obviously had to communicate to the builders that I wasn't going to go through the deal anymore after all of this. And she said, I don't know what happened or what got into them, but they've actually gone back to their original offer. They're going to replace the floors. And, you know, you've got the deal you had yesterday, essentially, back on the on the table. But I had already let go. And I was like, nope, they don't get it. Like, I, I am not just going to be someone that gets pushed around and they just assume they can do this too. And it wasn't really even against them at that point. I was just like, I'm going. Like, I don't know where this is going to go next, but I'm not going to stay here and I'm not going to put up with any more of that faff let's go forward. And so I was just too excited about what was going to come next. Funny enough, I remember this so beautifully. When I got to London that next day, I went to the Airbnb I booked. And when I got there, the decorating was adorable of the Airbnb I was in and the flooring was the same flooring I was trying to get installed properly the entire month of Detroit. And I think that there's a beauty in seeing that flooring so beautifully installed, so perfectly intact, because it was a new renovation as well. And I just loved that I got to see the, I got my floor. It was just in London. It wasn't in Detroit. And I didn't have to do the sweat and the tears and the, and the go through all the stress and the faff that I did in Detroit to actually get to enjoy it. I just got to enjoy it for those few weeks that I lived there. And that was just a beautiful thing. Now, fast forwarding to, to like two weeks ago, I'm in this moment of like, you can have the money back and you can leave in August as if you want to for the water. And I understand. She thought, you know, if we don't get this resolved, I told she totally understood that I didn't want to go through and 10 weeks of of not having proper water in the flat. I mean, the the lower sinks in the kitchen worked okay, but it was more about the shower situation that was obviously the most impactful for me um temperature-wise. So, I did the same kind of grand surrender. Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave the flat. And this means now I've got to take all the stuff, put it into a storage unit. I've got to figure out where I'm going to go next in six days. Where in the world? Am I going to stay in London? Am I going to go abroad? Am I going to go back to the United States? Like, what is the next thing for me? So as I go, I decide... I look at, well, first I go and I look at Airbnbs in London. And of course, after staying in the beautiful place I was at, nothing really quite compared. And I was like, "Mm," and it's really expensive. And I was just like, "Mm, this is just not seeming. And the weather was about to turn, which I didn't know. But looking back on that, that's 
pretty cool that I ended up deciding to leave at this point in time. And I also have to comment on, look, after all of that, August 1st is when I left. And also, can I say that they we ended up getting different plumbers to come in and they resolved it. This is so funny. So the next day after I decide, the grand give up, you know, I'm giving it up. I'm going to leave. I am I don't even know where I'm going to go, but I'm going to figure this all out and do it in a week. We get, actually, no, what ends up happening is the plumbers that they had, she'd been working with, the owner, they end up trying to charge her a lot of things for other things that no one had said was actually broken. And so I was like, that seems a little strange. And she ends up figuring out it's a bit, she she believes it was a bit of a scam. Whether it was or wasn't, I don't know. But the point is, we end up, I end up helping her find a different plumber through my friend Dee Dee and the plumber that she uses in her flat in London. And that plumber comes in to look at the situation as a second opinion. And also because, by the way, the day that I decide to leave and she offers and I say yes to it, the part arrived. It had never arrived a week later, but it actually arrived hours after I decided to leave. It was in my building delivered in a box. And I was like, oh my gosh. But after she decides that the other plumbers aren't people she wants to work with, the parts arrive, but she doesn't want to work with the original plumbers. So I get this other plumber to come in and he uses the part. He goes up into the space and he goes, the, the piece is the wrong size. The mixer's too big for the faucet that this is. It's the wrong one, which is hilarious because they had done everything they could to get the right size. They wait a month to get it and it's the wrong one. which would have been a travesty if I was going to stay there. But what's so hilarious is even though the mixer was the wrong size, that second plumber just fussed around with the original mixer and fixed the original mixer. So I could have theoretically had working water the entire month or six weeks that this had happened had the second plumber come first. So we didn't even need the second part. It was irrelevant anyways. It wasn't even the right piece. So 24 hours after I decided to leave, the actual plumbing's working fine. Like, how wild is that? It was just kind of like, in a sense, a little bit like the Detroit thing. The minute I decide to leave, they offer the offer. Or the minute I decide to leave, this plumbing works. But I've already made the decision. I've already done the grand let go. And like I have in Detroit, and then I loved that decision so much, I was committed to like, okay, I'm going to leave this place, even though I did, I could like totally change my mind at that point. I didn't want to. Once I'd done the grand let go, I was into the flow. So I decide not to stay in London. Also, my friend Dee Dee was going on vacation at the same time, the same day she was leaving for three weeks. And she's the friend that I have the most social interactions with in London uh, all summer, for sure. We've had a blast all summer together. And she and her son are going away to, they're in Turkey and Greece right now for their holidays. So as they were going to be gone, I was going to be alone in London, which is fine. I have my things I like to do and totally content, but the weather actually turned, the plumbing situation went the way that it did, and Dee Dee offered her flat for me to stay in while she was away, but there's gonna be a lot of massive, like radiators being replaced and windows being replaced while she was gone, so a lot of construction. And I decided I didn't wanna be there through the really big, messy construction period of her flat, so I, figured out when she said that the flat construction should be done and made a trip go, okay, what should I do for the time her construction's happening? I'll go back to her flat and stay in it while she's away once it's complete. But that left August 1st to August 11th for this kind of open space of like, what do I do for that? So I've 
obviously for those five years, traveled around the world and kind of gone in the flow of things. And I kind of assessed where I'd want to go. In the past, I've done it many different ways. Sometimes people ask me about travel flow. And I can say that sometimes my inner voice will literally give me a, a sign or something someone says or inner voice says, like Mayan ruins in Belize kind of stuff. So there's sometimes where I get like really direct answers and there's other times I just go with what feels good or feels right. So I will say the only thing I felt like I heard my inner voice say was Denmark. and <laughs> I didn't go to Denmark. So who knows what adventures I would have maybe had if I had gone to Denmark, but in my head, that wasn't even something I wanted to deal with. So I chose somewhere different. I decided, well, it's not ready to go back to the U.S. I would like to wait for the visa process to continue further because once I do have, hopefully, knock on wood, a positive approval on the visa front, I will go back to the U.S. for my biometrics and the visa granting. So I was like thinking about that going to the U.S. and then flying all the way back in two trips within a f potentially a few weeks or months of each other just felt excessive. So that didn't feel like the flow. Lisbon I had just gone to a few weeks before. And even though that was an easy call, uh, funny enough, I could tell my intuition didn't want to do that. And then I all came to realize that the Pope was just in town in Lisbon for four or five days and brought 1.5 million Catholics into the city, which is huge for a city of four or five million people altogether. So that didn't feel like the flow. All my friends actually were renting out their places on Airbnbs and stuff for all those people to come in and be there. And they didn't want to be around the enormous amounts of crowds that would have been there. So I didn't pick Lisbon for my own intuition, but also I think that would not have been a pleasant unfolding to be there. I picked Ibiza, as you might know, uh, through Instagram stories, if you're following me. I got here and I kind of went back to my comfort zone. So I went back to what do I do when I flow in the unknown years ago and obviously picked a warm place, picked a place that a lot of my friends love dearly that are more into the spiritually inclined stuff. So I have many friends I've met over the years that adore Ibiza, not for the clubbing aspects of it. I've been here once for a conference called A-Fest. So I have been here myself even four or five days in 2017, but didn't see the island whatsoever. Have only heard good things from friends that love it after that. But when and they gave me recommendations, but those people, like I said, are more in the spiritually inclined stuff. And I'm not, even though I teach intuition, and even though I obviously have had many phases of very deeply, what do you call it? Like, spiritual boho life in my own 2017, 2016, 20, even 2018 a little bit, had those years, I don't really want to live at like a yoga retreat center or something, or like in a commune type experience, which are some of the recommendations that I received from friends. Uh, so I ended up kind of going back to my own comfort zone, which is let me find a really pretty place to be. And I found a beautiful hotel that wasn't outrageously expensive. Some places here are outrageously pricey. I'm talking like 1,100 to 1,800 euros a night, um, which for me for 11 or 12 days seemed excessive. Uh, so I would, I found some place that looked beautiful, but didn't have that kind of price point attached to it. Um, if I could have, I guess it would have been fascinating. Although I think ultimately a little boring to be 12 days, even in the beautiful Six Senses Ibiza, which is beautiful. And I've gone there twice so far on the trip it's perfect to go visit, but not to be spending the cost of like 11 to 1800 of a night to stay there. So I do enjoy aspects of it, but just happy that I am, you know, I went to my comfort zone. So I'm in the Monte Sol uh, Experimental, which is in the city center. I also thought as I'm not a driver, 
Well, I can drive. I just haven't driven since I sold my car in 2016. Um, so that's just not my cup of tea. I'm not a bad driver. It's just not my preference. I'm a walker and an Uberer, and there's no Ubers on the island, but there are taxis. So I can get around via taxis. But I thought if I'm in some resort too far away from the main stuff, I'm going to have very limited restaurants, eating, shopping, things to do even just outside of sitting on the beach or at a pool or at the three restaurants in the property that I might be staying at. So I picked the pretty place in the city center and I got here and it is very beautiful. The staff is lovely, but there was a lot of weird elements of PTSD that started to occur from my travel years, which I didn't expect because on the surface of this, you know, the water's not working, the flow gets me out, then the water starts working. So I can really tell for whatever reason, I'm not supposed to be there in August. Also, my intuition had said that from the get-go in January, August 1st, and it is the time that I actually left the property. After all, even though I was going to stay through till September, my intuition was right in the first place. So I'm here and the PTSD starts setting in of <laughs> like, and I know that sounds weird to say, but <sighs> I traveled around the world for five years because my intuition, you know, encouraged me to sell my house and the possessions to the, the week that I went on a trip to Europe to a woman that really wanted to buy it. It was all in synchrony and flow, synchronicity and flow. But I was someone, as I shared earlier, that wants to have a partner and a beautiful house and have a sense of a base. I do like traveling, but not all the time, unendingly, with no end in sight. And ironically, one of the elements of this experience is that we applied for the visa already in June, and we got an answer back on the first application. However, they told us that there's some technicality that we might have done the wrong, the lawyer might have done the wrong checkbox of what type of visa we are going for. Now, we knew what visa we wanted. We believe that we typed in the right, you know, checkbox of which visa type you're going for. The application's all correct for the one that we want, but they came back to us saying that we checked the wrong box. And so it's so such like such a small little detail, but apparently it just put a wrench into the moving forward on that initial application. So while we were trying to just see if they would say, oh yeah, you're right. You just checked the wrong box or the system, you know, we didn't have any proof of like screenshots of the system that they have, which breaks down a lot as you're putting into the technology. The, the website's not a very techie website. So it has a lot of glitches. So we don't know if it was a glitch or if it was our own mistake. We have no proof. So as we were waiting to see if that would just resolve, we ended up reapplying just to have a second application in the pile in case that first one just didn't just move over that little initial speed bump. And that's what ended up happening. They just said, for some reason, there's some kind of appeal or something you had to do. It was just like silly. So we're like, all right, we're just going to wait and just get the new thing going through. And he screenshot, my solicitor screenshotted all of the screenshots. We know that we pressed the right things and they can't say to us later, we maybe didn't do that. We have it all in, in screenshots to prove it was done appropriately, especially the second time. So I've just been waiting on that second application's decision. And that's one of the things about this moment. Like if I'd already had the visa application approved and I was already planning my trip to the US, whether it would be now or in a few weeks or months or whatever that would be, that would feel like this is a holiday. But because I don't have the approval or answer yet to the, the application, that is what triggered the feeling of I could be, if the visa doesn't go smoothly, on the road indefinitely yet again. Like this could be another. And after moving to Portugal and getting the flat and having a partner and living with a partner and wanting to have kids with that partner, I did not 
not expect to be going back to what felt like, in a sense, my 31-year-old self, square one, living in the unknown, no visa granted, no option to go to Australia, where I love, not sure yet about London working out this time. And here I am in a pretty... uh, hotel, which funny enough, kind of gives me the Lalo vibes in Oahu in Hawaii, which is literally a hotel that I stayed in many times over the years during my travel years. So I was like, oh my gosh, this just felt so similar. I didn't, all my friends that love Ibiza aren't in Ibiza at this point in time. One left the day that I came, the other one's coming the day that I leave. So I'm here not knowing anyone on the island. And this is just really stirring up all of those old energies of how I used to feel when I was in that earlier stage. So even though I have grown and I have changed, my name's not even the same anymore, the situation itself felt like if you remember my story about Australia and getting caught in the rip current with my photographer doing a photo shoot, I felt the PTSD as if I'm on the same beach, I'm in the water, and I'm praying in the same spot in the water that there's not going to be a rip current today. That kind of thing is how I would approximate the feelings that I had. And it's not logical. That's one of the other things I want to say about this, that the experience itself is distinct and not, it's, you know, it's not what it was before, but my mind was, and emotions were completely stirred up as though it was. And so I noticed so many old habits show up right away that were old energies that as Jess in those travel years were things that I would try to do to find comfort in the unknown of this type of travel for myself. Because like I've said, I'm not the gypsy. I'm not the one that wants to just fly by the seat of my pants necessarily. I've learned how to fly with my intuition and flow, but it's not my human personality's nature overall. I'd rather do that while I have a base and a pretty place I can come back to. That's always my happiest. I love to travel when I know I've got a place to go back to. When I'm on the road and this is all my possessions are in my little turtle shell of a suitcase, not so much fun for me at least. So I I noticed one of the first things that happens when I get here, I think I'm on like day one, I go get acai. What did I eat for five years around the world? Acai. So I went back to that. So eating the same foods right away. And also obviously I just like acai. But I went there and then as I was eating it, I was thinking, you know, maybe I should go on a dating app because I'm sitting here thinking I've got 12 days of potentially no human interaction except for the staff that works at restaurants and hotels that I'm at. And so I was like, maybe I should go on the dating apps. Like that's the way I used to do. How do I meet somebody in a country I don't know anyone at? And so that was, that crossed my mind. Now, since 2019, I've not been on a dating app after all those years of using them. And you couldn't pay me over the last four years to go on a dating app. You could not get me near it. I've tried to get friends off of dating apps that are kind of hooked on them, but then suffering through the experiences they have on them. I don't ultimately want to be on dating apps, but I noticed that the idea of being on one totally popped back up. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do that. My intuition kiboshed that immediately. But that was hilarious that my mind first thought that. Then I kind of got my way around that where someone at the this very sweet and cute bartender at this hotel that I'm staying at on the roof deck was showing me different beaches he went to for he went to a different one every day for a month and he offered to take me to one of them to see it on a motorbike. And I was like, oh, that could be a way of meeting people and talking to someone and having a human interaction. That's not just with somebody that works 
while I'm at a restaurant or a hotel. So, but my intuition again, kibosh is that. So I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm just feeling like I'm in isolation. And also one of the other elements that comes back to the surface as I was doing this is that here I am alone, traveling, eating alone, walking alone, sitting alone, <laughs> hoteling alone. Um, people watch me and my inner voice said it's because I'm probably because I'm female that it's less common to see traveling women solo my age and like not doing it in a hostile environment where hostel environment, not a hostile environment, but a hostel environment where I'm like younger and like backpacking and kind of like doing it in a more communal way. I'm doing this in the way that I actually want to do it or really would prefer to do it with a friend or partner, which is stay at a beautiful place and do beautiful things like eat at beautiful restaurants, look at beautiful stuff. Anyway, so this is what I'm doing. But I get a lot of looks. And even the staff is like trying to understand me here. They're like, okay, so you're here for 12 days and you're by yourself. They, they didn't say it exactly this, but the, obviously through the line of questioning, you know, the lady's trying to think of like, what is this girl doing here? Is she a clubber? Is she hippie yoga teacher like what is she and i'm like none of those things um just here because my flat and the plumbing didn't work out and my friend's flat that i'd like to stay at it's going to be ready in 12 days and my visa's not ready so going back to the us doesn't feel right lisbon's got the pope i'm here <laughs> i could have gone to france i could have gone to germany i could have gone anywhere I, I even thought about going by the way to australia it did cross my mind but then i was thinking the, the cost of the flights the amount of time to get over the jet lag and just all of it for a few weeks just didn't feel worthwhile but that even crossed my mind and i was like no that, not doing that so here i am but yeah it brought up a lot and and so much stuff actually that again kind of pointing to the future episode when i do one about past lives i actually started to realize that this is deeper than just the five years so yes obviously i've got a lot of recent experience to point to to say this is all the ways i used to feel five four years ago for those five years that i travel full-time but also as i've in the last six months to a year had many many past life experiences start to become apparent in my reality and awareness through my inner voice, I was like, oh my gosh, this is probably past life related. I bet this is not the only time I felt alone in the world. This is this life's not the only time that this soul has felt this feeling because it's so, so strong. And so after a few inner voicings and past life, I, I don't say they're healings, but integrations, let's call them integrations, uh, that energy and also just beanbagging my own life for those five years really, really turned a corner. So after four or five days of this extreme emotional discomfort for all the reasons I just mentioned, and after integrating the past lives and my own beanbags from this life, I started to feel grounded. I started to feel back into the frame of reference and reality that I'm actually in versus the one my mind was projecting me into. So what I was projecting or feeling into was the five years before and feeling into the past lives before or simultaneous lives, you could say. Those feelings were coming from really long, deep experiences. But the one I'm actually in, the frame of reference I'm actually in is, yes, there's the unknown. Yes, the visa's up in the air right now. So there were definitely reasons that I would be pinging the right pain points, you could say, <laughs> to these emotions from other time frames. At the same time, if the visa works out, this is just a holiday. I'm going to London on Friday this week. 
it's all okay. And yes, I don't need to go on dating apps to meet people. I don't need to take the really sweet offer from the person just to have someone to latch on to. I can be here and I can be alone and I will be okay. And so I just, after moving through all that old energy of the past lives in this life, finally started to feel like it's going to be okay. I'm optimistic. My inner voice is very positive about the visa outcome for London. So got to see it through, but you know, it's, as everyone notices when they use their inner voice, my inner voice says it's going to work, but seeing it is going to work and actually seeing that it works is two different things. So in that unknown, it's just like relaxing and now trusting rather than freaking out. So that, and then also the other thing that kind of started to dawn on me post all of that energy moving through. And like I said, it was intense and definitely not intense based on what this experience actually is. It was intense based on all the emotions of the past lives that were alone for their majority of their entire lives and the five years that I was alone <laughs> earlier in this life. So those emotions were very, very deep. This one's not. So this situation is not actually as stressful or a big deal at all, but I wasn't feeling from this situation. I was feeling those old energies until they were integrated. But after they got integrated, I started to realize, okay, my intuitions really said no to the dating apps, no to meeting the, you know, using the friendship of this bartender. I could still be friends with him when I'm there at the restaurant getting food, but I don't have to, you know, be hanging out with him. I can just be with myself. And if people naturally flow into my life in a different way, so be it if my intuition's on board with it, but Otherwise, I can just be the person that people look at everywhere. And I just, you know, got back into being comfortable with eating every meal on my own. And uh, basically, I've been reading a lot, reading my cat books. And then the other day, I flowed into, ironically, Fernando Pessoa, the famous, famous author out of Portugal. I never knew about Fernando Pessoa as a poet and writer until I went to Portugal. He's kind of the Where's Waldo figure, I like to say, of Portugal. He's a very famous author from about 100 years ago, 1920s, lived in Lisbon and was incredibly amazing. He's just giving me, I never got into him while I was in Portugal. People would always tell me about him and I'd see him on pictures on billboards and just walls and art everywhere has pictures of or just depictions of Fernando Pessoa because he is so influential. And in like to me, he's channeling different entities or characters from the non-physical space. Like Let's say the writer version of Tesla. And also either he or one of the characters he's writing from, the channeling through. If he's channeling, it's I don't know if Fernando himself, but who he's one of the characters he's channeling is enlightened. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a joy to be reading these translations of poems in English. And I just found it as a secondhand book at one of the hippie markets in Las Dalias, which I was encouraged to go see. And I woke up that day and I was like, you know, this is after making peace with the old energy. So I was finally in this frame of reference and no longer suffering like I did the first four or five days and made peace with like, yeah, maybe I'm alone the rest of this entire trip, maybe 12 days. I will not talk to anybody except for, you know, the staff as I'm placing an order or the, you know, concierge as I'm placing a taxi. Maybe that is the only human interaction, even though I'm around all these humans, maybe this will be what actually is the 12 days? Maybe that's it. And I don't have to fight that. I don't have to change that. That can be enough. If something more flows, great, but I don't have to look for it. I don't have to force for it. I can just surrender to that. So I woke up early, earlier than I was earlier in the trip. And I was like, you know what? The hippie markets are happening now. There's a cab right outside, went through all of it. Didn't like any of the design elements to purchase for myself, 
But the bookstore, which I never look at a secondhand bookstore at these kind of markets, that's never normally what's appealing to me. But for some reason, I just wandered in and I went to the English uh, translation section of all the books. And lo and behold, Pessoa was there. And I flipped open to like one of the poems. There's a random page. And I just was like, oh, that's an enlightened poem. What he's saying is coming from uh, an awareness place, a pure consciousness perspective or realization. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I bought the book and then I was like, oh my gosh, my buddy on this trip has become the cat books that I love reading, the Cat Who series and Fernando Pessoa. So now I have a new buddy who I get to talk endlessly with. He doesn't listen to me so much, but I get to listen to him <laughs> and I'm loving the poem so much. So ironically, now I'm getting into Pessoa after leaving Portugal. But I also kind of like that in a sense, I think it would have felt like I should get into Pessoa while in Portugal, which wouldn't have been necessarily an authentic thing. This is the authentic time for me to be diving in. So I've been loving that. And then it got a little bit better again. So like now I feel like I'm living a new era of my actual now. Instead of repeating the old energies of the past and feeling stuck in them and drowning in them, having released them and integrated them over those few days, then I was like, okay, the things are, the tide's turning, the energy's flowing into new experiences because my energy's not reflecting the old energy. So while I was reflecting the old emotions, I was creating the same. So as my emotions on the inside, the vibration was, oh my gosh, the PTSD of the past lives in this life earlier, I was creating scenarios that kept me isolated, kept me alone and kept me in stress and really, really stressed out. But after I released that, I was in a clear space so I could start to manifest things like going to the, the hippie markets and reading the book, loving the book, not feeling bad about being alone. And also one of the things I realized was Pessoa was a strange fish for the rest of the people that he was around. Einstein was a bit of a strange fish. Tesla was a strange fish. I don't know why I'm calling them fish, but like, you know, they were all very unique, eccentric characters. Winston Churchill, so eccentric and wonderful. And so all these people that were true, incredible people that we hear about and like love so much, they didn't live very quote unquote normal lives. And so I don't have to like them in Ibiza, go clubbing or go do yoga hippie retreat stuff like and live off the land and become a farmer for 12 days. <laughs> I have friends that do that. But that's not what I need to be doing here. I can just be me reading books. Like I read the the Fernando Pessoa, I got the F Pessoa book at the hippie market. And then I went straight to this cafe that is stunning in the marina near super yachts, looking at what looks like basically the South of France and read the book there and sip a glass of sparkling wine. And everybody can just look at me. Yesterday, I went to the beach caves of Bitha, which I saw on Athena Caldrone of Ice Moon's uh, feed for the time that she was in Ibiza. She made it look so beautiful. And I was like, I'd love to go to that place that she went to. And I sat there and they put me at the center table <laughs> by myself. And I just read the books. And I just was the girl that's traveling alone, reading a lot. And I've just become okay with that's the person that I am at this point of this week of this journey and segment of my life. And I don't have to fit in or blend in, which was one of those old energy things that as Jess in those five years, I used to kind of more try in a sense or yearn. I would say yearning is a better way of saying it, yearn to do. I wanted to find 
social connection. But then again, like, did I really want to be? Not necessarily. Like, I haven't organically flowed into anybody I've had an organic connection to. So even though I say that I'd love to have more social interactions like I have with Dee Dee or my friend Mark in London or my friend Eileen in Scotland or my friend you know, Tony in Australia, I do have dear friends, Jess in Detroit, all these friends I have, they're just scattered like seeds all around the world. And they're really deep friendships. And so, yeah, I don't have anybody here that's like emerged to become that natural intuitional. Yes, like, like spend time with this person. Maybe that happens this week. Maybe it doesn't. But besides the Pessoa book and just kind of owning my uniqueness and just being me and not trying to blend in any way that's not authentic to myself, I also flowed into going to, there was a store. It came from the beauty of a little boutique that I saw that looked so much like Commune Bondi, which I love so much. And it's my favorite store in Australia is Commune Bondi. There looked like a very similar-ish store in Santa. I'm going to say the word wrong. I'm still learning how to say this one. It's in Catalan, not Spanish, so I'm not as good at the pronunciation. Gertrudis? Gertrudis. Santa Gertrudis, I think is how you say it, or Gertrudis. It's a weird way of saying the G that I'm still, it's basically if Americans would look at as like Saint Gertrude, but Santa Gertrudis, <laughs> still messing it up, I'm sure. But that little city going because of this boutique that looked so ideal to me, I ended up discovering the sweetest, cutest little center town. I honestly wish this kind of town, if this kind of town had existed in Portugal, I think I could have ended up just living there um, on the beach when Alice and I were looking around for places on the beach coastline to live. Like this place has all the little elements that I was always looking for in spades there. So anyways, love it. I think I'm going to spend a lot of my time, the rest of my trip going over there. It's only 20 minute taxi ride from where I'm at in the city center is adorable. And then I end up flowing into a ring and a dress that looks like the ring. And I just like really just started to own my uniqueness rather than trying to blend. And that just and owning that this is a chapter of my time. It's not my entire life. And even if the visa doesn't go well, I will figure out what to do. But I don't know, it just it just changed a lot. So the flow, when the flowing gets tough, I would say to this one, was initially the flowing got tough with the water. So it kind of flowed me out of the apartment. And then as I was here, the flow was tough. But actually, the flow was tough because it was bringing up something to be cleared. So had I just avoided this, that energy would have still been a vibrational frequency in my soul. So my soul still would have been in turmoil about the past lives that were struggling with the being in isolation for a lot of their lifetimes. I think there was many lifetimes where there's a lot of uh, probably mostly religious solitude. So like an ascetic, a wandering um, nomad kind of person, you know, those people that live off of donation could have lived in a cave. <laughs> I have a feeling there's definitely some, um, even like the the vision I had, which was maybe more female, like almost like, I would say a witch is like a dramatic expression of that. A natural woman doing uh, knowing how energy works in a natural way in the woods. I saw an image that felt like that. And I was like, oh, yep, she was she was alone in the woods. So there's definitely some lives that were alone. And this five years of my own life was 
alone. And it was on purpose from my intuition's point of view because it helped me go deeper into myself and find all the gifts that I have to share with you. All the stuff that I share with you guys was the majority of that as far as inner voice work and the beanbag work and all of that stuff. And now even into this past life uh, piece of my last year, which is probably going to make its way inevitably into more of my work because it's as I'm doing it with one-on-one sessions and with my small group sessions, like awarefulness and welling, I am bowled over by how powerfully effective I ever, I never would have imagined it would be as effective as it actually is, but I'm just amazed at how successful that actually changes stuck energy in people that they've had for the majority or the entirety of their lives and my own life as well. So anyways, all of that came from the time I've been alone in myself to go in. And when I have people on the outside to be with, it's always fun and it's always joyful because I now you know, have such a great caliber of people around me. So I do love spending time with them, but I can say that my trajectory of growth and discovery on the deeper inner levels has been through the within of myself. And that aloneness I've kind of been flowed into repetitively (laughs) has actually given me that space and time where I have no one else to talk to. I'm on a time zone that's kind of strange for most of my friends, wherever they are in the world. So I go into my intuition and I go into my awareness. I've cultivated that. Now, obviously that's been my own path. It doesn't need to be everybody's path. It may be parts of everyone's path. I may end up with a family and kids for all I know in two years. So this is not to say my life will ever always even be a specific way. I have no clue, but I can say that even from the time that I have done this, what I do love is that I've been able to do the discovery and then ultimately share those discoveries with people that are of all walks of life and also all schedules of life. So obviously I love being able to work with so many people that have very busy lives, that have children, full-time jobs, you name it, like so much stuff going on. But if I can collapse the time it takes them to discover the things that took me so much time to discover in myself, but just show them where that is in themselves, make it faster and easier for them through IVFT and through all the work that we do in this community, That is such a gift and is something that I certainly feel very thankful that I'm able to do for you. And as I say that, I'm just being also very real and transparent with you guys about the human aspect of me or that old human aspect of me as Jess that went through all those five years and did not necessarily (laughs) love the, the path that that actually took on its own social side of things or its own um, location side of things. So it's all beautiful. And at the same time, I'm just saying, basically, it wasn't always easy for my mind to and personality to go through. Um, And all of that said, I can also always say coming out the other side of these things, when the flowing gets tough, and I don't love it, I have to say going with the flow and going through the flow and then going through those choppy waters and then finding that awareness that dissolves and munches, munches, munches all those vibrations of discord away through beanbagging and also including now my little past life integration process I'm figuring out as I go. Um, This is just opening up so many new horizons. And so I just want to share that for you as a real story of the flow and the toughness and ultimately the expansion that comes through adding awareness to what feels tough so that it's no longer feeling tough, it's feeling free, that we expand beyond what we previously felt we avoided. So now, like I said, I'm still alone. I still haven't, it's been a week that I've been here now officially. Literally, I landed uh, seven days ago right now. And I am, yeah, I haven't talked to anybody 
that actually, no, that's not true. I spent 10 minutes talking to a guy that sat next to me at the cafe (laughs) and he was going to offer to take me on a hike. And he actually the next day was going to Germany to see family for the holidays for several weeks. So he didn't end up doing that because he's leaving the next day. And so, yeah, I didn't end up. Yeah, I haven't this whole week, but that's okay. I now can be my own unique self, not be necessarily the norm and don't have to have an expectation of trying to even meet anybody through the rest of this trip. I can just have fun with my work and I have a new idea and a new project to see how that goes. I don't want to share about it yet, but um, seeing how the flow of that unfolds and yeah, I can tell you it was tough for the first five days or four days at least, first three for sure. And now it feels like I'm coming out into a new revived and non-traumatized. I'm still in the same situation. I still don't have the visa figured out officially yet at all. I still am in the same scenario, only seven days further in. I'm just not scared anymore. I'm just not replaying those old stories and these old emotions. So that is hopefully uplifting and positive for anyone that might be feeling like they're relating to this in some way in your own life. If you're feeling like you're replaying old energies or you're feeling like, yeah, my situation's not quote unquote that bad, but I'm feeling really, really bad about whatever it is. You probably have very good reasons from earlier experiences in this life or theoretically even other lives that your souls had so that this actually is very, very understandable. But ultimately the great news is it doesn't have to stay permanently that way. Like how I feel now is not how I felt four or five days ago before I had integrated. So the good news is, as my inner voice has said, I'm munching down old energies into neutral so that now I'm neutral to this situation of all these unknowns instead of being afraid of these situations and unknowns. And as I do that, new potentials can come in. So that is where I'll leave you for today. Thank you so much for listening. It feels so good to check in with you guys today and share all of this kind of as a big download of the flowing and when it's tough and just trust and go into your intuition as much as you can, as often as you can. And just know I too am going along and going through it with you. Until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today.